Want to learn how to create and set up a complete content pre-launch strategy to position your product launch for success? Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. I am so glad you're back for another episode. Today we are chatting all about how to create copy and content leading up to a product launch that will actually get your potential buyers eager and excited to purchase your stuff. We talk about how long your pre-launch period should be, the types of content that you should include in this period, repurposing your content so you don't go absolutely crazy on all kinds of different platforms, how to reach different types of people, and much, much more. And today, the expert guest that we are chatting with is my good friend Danielle, who is a conversion copywriter. She's the owner of Basic Girl Marketing. After 12 years of teaching, Danielle actually took a big, big leap of faith to go full-time in her business and has not looked back since. She's a wife, a mom, and everyday basic girl. Danielle writes words that make bank for online coaches and service providers, and we are so fortunate that she is sharing her wisdom with us today. Do not forget to subscribe to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. Your reviews are really, really powerful. They put a good spin on the iTunes algorithm and always leave me feeling happy with a big smile on my face. Plus, when you leave a review, you might just be the lucky winner of an Amazon gift card that will be raffled off to one of our amazing reviewers once we reach our next 50 reviews. It's going to take you just a second to leave that five-star review and leave a comment or two, and it's going to make the biggest difference in my day. So head on over there now. I'd also love it if you pause the podcast for just a second, take a quick screenshot of you listening, and go over to Instagram and share it. Tag me at Eden Freed and tag our guest Danielle too at Basic Girl Marketing. We'd love to see that you're listening and engaged and can't wait to chat with you over there. All right, without further ado, please welcome Danielle to the show. I'm going to flip it on over to the interview. All right, Danielle, welcome. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Let's start by listening to you tell us a little bit more about your story. So I read in your bio that you went from 12 years of teaching to working full-time in your business. Talk to us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I've always been interested in business and I think it's because I am an Enneagram 7. I'm like really creative, have ideas all the time. I love to just try something new right away. And, but I'm older. So, um, I mean, I went to college in 2000, like I graduated in 2003 and they're like this whole world of online stuff did not exist. So it was just a bunch of traditional jobs. Um, and I think it was kind of starting to happen. I was a blogger. Um, we adopted our daughters and so I kind of blogged through that journey. 
Um, but I had gone to college to get a psychology degree, which means you can do nothing. <laughs> so I had to go to grad school and I got a teaching degree and my degree was in special education. So I worked with students who had learning disabilities and they were in the regular classroom and my job was to try to help them survive and, and make it in the regular classroom. And so um, I just kind of went down that path all that time having just kind of this desire to do something else. I really wanted to be my own boss. I don't think at that time I could have told you that. And um, like, I think I just had this like itch all the time. Like the blogging thing kind of grew pretty significantly and that gave me a little taste of what would potentially be possible. Um, and then, you know, about seven or eight years ago, this online business world, like it was there, it was always there, but like it massively exploded. And I did a couple of different things. Like I did, um, I tried a couple of MLMs and I just sucked at that. <laughs> I did not like it. I did not do well. Um, but I was a personal trainer. So when my husband and I lived overseas, I became certified to be a personal trainer. And uh, because we were living overseas, I couldn't train people in person, like visa stuff. And so I had to start my business online. So I got a coach who at that time, she doesn't really do this anymore, but she was helping other fitness pros start businesses. And so I worked with her for a ridiculously cheap amount of money every month. And she had a digital marketing agency on the side. And so um, she would coach these fitness pros. She's brilliant. Coach these business pros and then say, hey, like I have a team who will write your content, develop your, like design your website, all these things. Like it just funneled right over to the digital marketing agency. So when we moved back to the States, she asked if I wanted to be her writer because I had had that experience with writing, you know, blogging and had grown that pretty substantially. And so I said yes and wrote all of her content and then slowly um, well, not slowly. I just, she said, do you want to write for all my clients? And so I ended up writing probably 20 to 30 hours per week on top of teaching. And, um, I, it was like a crash course. Like I was a good writer, but I had to really, really, really learn how to master other people's voices. And, um, I just like, it was kind of this trial by fire. Like I just got in there and wrote tons and tons and tons and tons of content. And I got a little burned out, not because of that, but because my day job, my teaching job just got a little bit crazier. Um, I taught in a really low socioeconomic area in the high school and it was really demanding. Um, and so I just called it quits for business forever. And I was like, I'm going to just be a teacher and be happy about it. And that was about a year and a half ago. And about two months later, I got bored and I started an online store, which I hated. And... I just, it was summer. So in the summer, I always had these like grand, you know, visions of what I could do because I had so much time. And I just really sat down and thought about like, what do I love? And so I got to see behind the scenes of all these women's businesses as their copywriter. And I felt a little burned out by copywriting. So I didn't want to do that. So I went into just marketing strategy and did really well with that and was able to help people. But I did learn a couple of things. I learned that I didn't love coaching directly. Um, I loved kind of like an intensive session where I could coach you, walk you through things, but this week to week stuff, I kind of hated that. I was still teaching. I'm a mom. I have two kids, so I couldn't, um, come home after school and do like six hours of calls. Like I just didn't have that time. And I kept seeing this constant. I mean, these, everyone I worked with was just struggling with their content, their copy, their sales stuff. It was hard for them to sell in their emails. Like 
I just kept coming back to, you know, this is a need that they have. And I was talking to my business coach at the time and she said, what you're doing right now is not sustainable while you're still teaching. Like you're going to run out of time in the day. You need to do something, either a massive group program or just change gears. So I decided in March, well, in February of last, this, this year, it's 2019 <laughs> to switch completely over to copywriting again, which was really my roots. That's what I did. Um, and it has just grown pretty drastically since then. So this is kind of a new business, but I'm not at all new to this. Um, but yeah, I am a conversion copywriter. I've done a lot of studying since then as well. Um, focusing on how to get more sales from your sales pages, your emails, your social media posts. Um, I work largely with coaches and course creators, and I also have a copywriting agency where we will um, actually write your monthly content for you. So blogs, emails, social media posts, things like that. So I do all the sales stuff. My girls do all of the monthly, just nurture content. So you're very busy. <laughs> yes, I am. And I, it's actually, it, it's been an interesting journey because I obviously juggled a lot for a long time, but I do have more time now, obviously, because I'm not teaching full time, but it's not, it's so interesting because you can just, the list is never ending. As a business owner, you, there is always something else to do. And so um, I think having to do my business on the side for so long did give me the ability to handle a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of would have thought like, oh, it would have really slowed down. And it's, you know, as you grow, it's just more, more time, but yeah. I'm learning. I'm still in that phase of like learning to have clear boundaries and schedule well and I definitely overestimate what I can do. So <laughs> did you struggle at all with the shift between teacher life and full-time business world? Um, I think the biggest struggle for me was that, and, and actually the reason I can, I taught one extra year cause I could have left last year, but I was really afraid. I'm a big extrovert. And so uh, we moved back from, we lived in Bangkok and we moved back to a city that we didn't live in before. So we didn't really have like really close friendships here and all of my friends were at school. So I was really concerned about being on my own all day, like just being alone. Um, and then of course, I think the biggest struggle was having all the time to focus on it and being the person that's kind of in charge of that. You know, when you're, when I go to school, um, we have period, like school's very structured, you know, everything is kind of the same all the time and the expectations are very clear. They're always the same. And, um, I loved that freedom. Like I craved it, but it's definitely like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, sit on Instagram for two hours and then, okay, I have like this deadline of writing and that I've got to now like do it two in the morning because I'm ridiculous. (laughs) I didn't do it. Yeah. Having the freedom. Yeah. Having that freedom for your, to fill your day is a blessing and a curse for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And I, I feel like I'm getting a lot better at it. Um, now I have like evenings to just spend time with my family, which is amazing. So good. Well, I would love to dig more into your experience your expertise as a copywriter. Um, So, you know, most of our listeners have either created a product or they are in the process of creating a product um, that they'll be launching to their audience. And one of the biggest questions and concerns that a lot of people have is, 
how do I build up buzz leading to my launch? How do I create that excitement through my content and help nurture those potential leads to become buyers? So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about how pre-launch content is different than content from any other random time of the year? Yeah, so I actually kind of feel like you're always in a pre-launch. So you, you know, if you, I, I have my clients, I do have, I do strategy days where we actually walk this out for clients. So um, I have clients break out their year into quarters and um, they look at everything that they want to sell in that quarter. So some people have a true like launch natured business where they like, they launch three times a year, right? And it's this big deal and they do all this stuff. A lot of people, um, they have these little things that they launch pretty regularly. Um, so maybe once a month, like I've worked with fitness trainers who have a program that they run basically every six weeks. So you're kind of always in pre-launch mode. Um, you just get more intentional about seeding your offer and teasing your offer closer to the launch. But what I have my people do is um, they look at whatever they're selling and when they're selling it. And if possible, if you do a true launch, like two to three times a year, we go out 12 weeks and we start creating their content 12 weeks in advance. If you're someone who has a rolling offer, like maybe you do one-on-one coaching and it's always open to you, or you have a product, a course that's always available, then we cycle through a few different types of content on a like six week basis to get you to a point where you're pretty regularly like nurturing, teasing, and then selling, even though people can always get it. And so, um, I kind of feel like you're always in pre-launch mode and your content should always be extremely strategic to get your people ready to buy whatever you're selling. So talk to us a little bit about that planning process. You know, when you map out that calendar year and you look at the 12 week period before a launch, what types of content are you creating in that 12 week period? Yeah. So there's a couple things I have people think through. So, um, whatever we're selling, hopefully you've done market research on, you didn't just throw something together. You have talked to people in your ideal client avatar, like market, you have, um, really gotten proof of concepts and you are ready to just now kind of give back to them what you found out in your market research. So as you're doing your market research, you figure out a couple of things. The first thing you need to consider is everybody has a knowledge gap that you need to fill before they can buy from you. So um, a really simple example is um, if you are a fitness coach who has a program based on intermittent fasting and macros, a lot of people don't know what intermittent fasting and macros are. Um, And you're going to have to do some education to get them to the point where they're even a little bit interested in a program that has to do with that. Um, if you are a business coach who, you know, works with people to develop a group program, then you're going to have to fight against people who only want to do courses, who only want to do one-on-one coaching, who only want to do, you're, you're going to have to do some education around why a group program is going to actually be a beneficial thing. And in some instances, instances, you might need to do some education about what that is in general. So, um, Amy Porterfield recently did a massive launch for her digital course Academy and she, 
her content for a long way out was why her course is okay. And she kind of just even did some education because there are people, believe it or not, who don't even know what digital courses are. They don't even know this world exists, but they might have, they might be a teacher, they might uh, be a musician, and they might have skills that they could turn into a course and sell. So you have to first think about, are there any knowledge gaps that my people have that if they, if I don't close those gaps for them, they won't even consider a program, mine or anyone else's, uh, because they don't even know that it's really something they need or want. Um, and then you need to really start um, looking at what pieces of your program are people going to, like, what are your, I'm trying to, there's like a phrase for this. What makes your program the best? Like what makes it so great, right? Then you want to pull those things out. So let's take that same, you know, fitness program, intermittent fasting and um, uh, macros. If that's what your program's based on and what makes you so unique is that you um, were a fitness competitor. And so you have used this same approach to hit these massive like stage goals, right? And all you're doing is helping like moms lose their last 20 pounds. So your unique deterrent, like your unique factor is that you have this like next level understanding of this strategy. So what you're going to do is create some content around why other coaches that, you know, use macros, like what, how are other people getting it wrong? Um, why have things you've tried in the past not worked? Um, when you talk about why things in the past have not worked, then you're going to come in during that content and you're going to position your methodology as the best. You might talk about your time on stage and how, um, you were able to take what you do with your clients and, you know, bring it up 10 notches and because of that, you were able to win, you know, whatever medal. What? So imagine like, oh, if it worked on stage, here's how you make this work in real life. It becomes a lot less scary when a woman's like, oh, she, she did that to get in that kind of shape. I don't need to get in that shape. I just want to lose this little weight. So you're positioning your offer without really ever making the offer. Like you're just talking about it. You're just kind of explaining like, okay, here's why um, two hours of cardio and eating 1200 calories didn't work. And here's what intermittent fasting does for you. It does X, Y, Z, and it resets your body and you're educating, you're helping, you're nurturing, but the whole time you're doing that, you're positioning your offer yourself as an expert and the person that has a better solution than the other things they tried. And then as you get closer, you're going to need to look at things that might be objections so same example, people are going to say, I love breakfast. I don't want to skip breakfast. Intermittent fasting, for those of you who don't know, it's you basically don't eat for like 12 hours, 12 to 16 hours a day, and then you eat all of your calories in this one window. So most people who are proponents of this, they don't eat breakfast and they start their eating around 12. So a big piece of contention is going to be like, oh my gosh, I'll never make it till 12 o'clock. You're not dealing with an objection to your program you're dealing with an objection to your methodology because if you can get them over that hurdle of I'll never make it till 12 o'clock to eat, then when you start selling your program, you won't have to do that work in your sales process. They're already going to be there. Now you just have to tell them why your program's better. So you need to think about, are there things that are hurdles 
with your methodology, with what you're using. Maybe people say, if you, you're that person who's trying to do a group coaching program, if they say, um, well, people won't get results if they're not one-on-one. -on -one. That's content you need to do. You need to talk about how people can get results through a course or digital product or a group coaching program before they'll even consider buying yours. So what are the objections they're going to have to your methodology, your approach, what you're doing? And then you go into your, your sales kind of content where you're basically just talking about your offer and why it is like the best thing since sliced bread. And then you do the same kind of process there. You have to educate them about your offer. You have to really talk about their pain points. Um, and that's something I didn't talk about, but in all of that, you're, you're using their pain points and the solutions that they want in all of those stages of content. So you're always framing all of your content in terms of what are they struggling with and what outcome do they want? So with that weight loss thing, you're always talking about, this is why you haven't lost the weight, or this is um, a better way to lose the weight, or this is why this helped, like you're doing the education, this is why it helps you lose the weight faster. You're always talking about their pain points and the solution that they can get, because you always want to show them like, you have this struggle, there is hope. And then when you go into your sales cycle, the hope is your solution. No, you talked about a few different things. So, uh, you know, filling that knowledge gap, identifying how your program is unique and why you're qualified, um, you know, objections and then sales content. And then you, you mentioned that this all happens within a 12 week period. Do you have a recommendation for when this type of content should be mapped out? For example, do you do two weeks of the knowledge gap and then two weeks of, you know, why you're great? So a couple things. So it doesn't have to be 12 weeks. Like if you're like, oh, dang, I'm launching in four weeks. That's okay. You can just do a mini version of this and you might just do content more regularly. When I do 12 weeks, we do one pillar piece of content. So most of my clients have a podcast, a weekly live video that they do on Facebook or something like that or a blog. And those become their pillar pieces of content. So they'll put one podcast out a week or do one live video a week. But if you think, oh, I only have four weeks to do this, then that's okay. You're just going to maybe do two a week or um, speed up the process a little bit more. And, or, and you might not have to go so in depth. Like you can do a mini version of this within a four week, six week period. As long as you're hitting these different areas, then you'll be fine. Um, and you can do this in a week long challenge. Um, so you can do two week lead up to a week long challenge and hit all of this. It's just going to be a little bit more, you know, quick, quick pace. And, um, you need to have an audience built up if that's the case. So the 12 weeks gives you time to not only nurture, but to continue to build the audience while giving them really valuable content. Um, but if you are someone who, um, does this like, you have a standing offer, you just rotate through all of those things that I just talked to on a regular basis. And you have sales calls and like, um, sales content in, in between all of that, you know, where you do a quick call to action, like, Hey, if you have more questions about this, you know, I just talked about intermittent fasting and, um, why it is going to be your secret weapon to burning fat. Um, if you have questions about this, let's just hop on a call and I'll chat. And then you can talk to them about your services. Um, I don't have a recommendation for how long each one is because every business is different. So you might have a business where there's a huge knowledge gap and you have to do a lot of content there. Um, you might have a business where 
um, there's not a knowledge gap and the, your market is super aware of what you're doing and you can, they might have a lot of objections. They might think like, um, like Facebook ads. I have a friend who does Facebook ads and people are super like burned by Facebook ads, people that aren't getting results. And so she has a lot of work to do in content to build her authority because people haven't always gotten results from Facebook ads people. And so it's really business specific. Um, and so it depends on where your people are and what your product solves. But most businesses will have at least one piece of content in each of those categories and some will just be heavier in other areas. And are you splitting all of this up between social media content and content you send to your email list? So I usually have my clients repurpose. And so what we do is there's one pillar piece of content and I'm a big fan of having a plan, but leaving room for the like stuff that just comes up when you're inspired. I can't stand it when people say, well, I can't put that in my content plan. When you just, somebody asks a great question and you can write a blog post about it or an email about it. Like you always need to have room and flexibility to do that. Um, so we create one piece of pillar content. Um, and let's, so let's say that's a live video. Like you do a Facebook live on your Facebook page every week. Then they will turn that into a blog and then somehow turn that into an email. Some people will really just take the blog and make an email. Some people rework it and just, you know, kind of make that a unique piece of content for their email list. Some people will just do a teaser and they'll just say, Hey, I just did a slide video. Go check it out. Right. That's the email. Uh, and then they'll take, I always encourage you to have teaching points where you're actually giving value. So two to three like actionable, uh, teaching points or ways that you can, um, you know, just bullets, basically <laughs> two to three bullets and then one purpose, like one call to action at the end. Um, so you might take one of those bullets and write a, an, a social media post from that. Um, so you basically are taking this one piece of content and you're making it so amazing and then you're repurposing it throughout your week. And then there's a little bit of room on your social media. If you want to do a random post or somebody asks a question and you think that's a great topic, let me do a quick Instagram live about that. It gives you some flexibility, but it also gives you like a framework to use or, you know, tracks to run on. And it sounds like that strategy saves a whole lot of time. <laughs> in the long it run. does. I mean, and a lot of the women I work with are really busy. You know, they're kind of at that point where they are, um, they've got a proven product and something that sells and they're growing a team and they can't spend a hundred hours doing content. But if you look at the market, you have to put out tons of content, you know, like the people who are, um, really, really growing, you know, significantly, they have whole teams creating content for them. So even if you're not at the level where you can pay a videographer to follow you around and do all these things, that's fine. You have to be able to take, you know, the two or three hours you have a week to create content and maximize it. And so that's just a great way to maximize that. Okay. Well, we could talk about this forever, Danielle. <laughs> there is tons of stuff here. So thank you so much for giving us the, the meat. I do have one kind of last follow-up question. Do you ever look back on your, your client's pre-launch content, their copy, and analyze whether or not it worked or didn't work and then use that for future? Yeah. So one of the great things about having a good strategic plan, especially in the beginning, because sometimes you're, you are, you've done your market research, but you're, everything's a test, right? 
So what happens very, very often is a client will start doing their content and then there's one piece of content that gets so much engagement or has so many questions and people are emailing or DMing and they're like, okay, I could literally probably do like a whole three weeks on this. So sometimes we'll change the plan. Like if you have a piece of content like that and it is getting massive engagement and it's clear your people have questions and you need to do more around that, then we'll we'll scrap the next three weeks and we'll make that your content, right? Your focus because you need to be responsive. So I am not a planner by nature. I just like to help people have a clear intentional path. When you make that, if you're in the middle of it and you realize like, whoa, there is something here and I need to stick here, then change it and stick there and do what, you know, respond to what your people are saying. So um, that's probably been the most, um, that's kind of how we do things with clients is if you need a course correct, course correct. And a lot of times it just gives them like the next step for content because I just met with a girl who did her second, um, intensive. And she said, okay, when I talked about this, people had a lot of follow-up questions. So we just built some of those questions out into her next 12 weeks of content. Cause she's launching the same program again. So because, and typically that's what they're doing. They're launching the same, you know, two to three programs. So you're talking about a lot of the same stuff, but we were able to talk about this quarter at a lot deeper level because when she did her content last quarter, she said, okay, well, here's some like sub points and she booked out her program. So now she's got these people in there who responded to the content and they're asking really deep specific questions because they're in her actual program now. And so that gives her even more content moving forward. So yeah, I mean, for me, a client is successful if they, you know, book out their program, sell their course, whatever they're trying to do. But also if they're getting engagement feedback questions, um, then all of that is data we need to use either in the middle of the 12 weeks or the next 12 weeks. And, you know, that makes me think about this idea of constantly launching the same product. You know, lots of people bounce around from product to product because they think, oh, the first launch didn't work. So let me try something new. But then they have to start from scratch every single time. They don't have that feedback that's necessary to create the content. Yeah, I will tell you the clients I work with that have the most success launch multiple times a year, the same thing, or they have the same offering. And I'll be honest, I, I did that so much. And the more I have honed in on, this is what I do. This is how I do it. There are three ways to work with me. Here they are. That just becomes that's how you become known for something. That's how you set yourself apart. And you really cannot perfect the process of launching anything until you've done it six to eight times. And you can't really know your audience well until you've done it at least two or three times. So it's okay if your first launch, it's kind of a flop or you get three, three people buying. If you don't go back and look at, okay, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? What can I do differently and redo it? You have no idea. Was it the product? Was it your messaging? Was it the pricing? Was it your content? Was it the wrong audience? Like you have no idea if you never launch it again and you don't change some variables. So, I mean, I think find, do your market research. Don't create products in a vacuum. Do market research and create products people seem to want and then launch them three, four, five times a year. Depends on what they are. I mean, if it's a six month program, obviously you can't do that, but um, launch them several times and really perfect the process. And if you do that, 
with a good product, you'll do amazingly well. Any final uh, tips, tricks, advice for people who are sitting down to plan their pre-launch content? You have to start with your people. We all want to start in our own brains and what we think works. So if you have not done your market research, then go do it and make sure that you know that you understand your people's pain points really deeply and not just the surface level ones. You need to understand the emotions they feel about it, the other things they've tried. You need to really be able to pull that apart completely. And then you need to understand your stuff well. I think we live in a world where we don't value mastery. And so you have to be the master of what you do and you have to know it in and out. And when you know those two things, your content ideas will become kind of obvious. And once you sit down and you start to think about what's the question people ask me most and you write that down, you'll realize 25 content ideas come to you after that because you know the problems, you know what you know, you know what your people don't know, you know this knowledge gaps, and it just becomes clear as you start getting it out on paper. So I would say just sit down, write down all of your ideas, write down every content idea you have based on your people, even if you think they're stupid, because when you write them all down, you'll, you might have like 10 stupid ones on there. That's totally fine. But the 10 <laughs> stupid ones could lead to 20 great ones. And so literally sit down and write them all out. What are the knowledge gaps? What are the objections? What makes me different? Um, what is their deepest pain point? What are the questions I'm always asked? And just write, 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 write. And then go back an hour later and look at your content ideas and start thinking about, okay, how can I lay these out over the next 12, eight, six, four weeks, whatever it is. Amazing. I love that. And that's, I, I find that that's the homework that a lot of people skip yeah. and they just jump into other things. And then, you know, they haven't set up a strong foundation for a pre-launch and, and launch itself. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, tell us where we can find you and stalk you, hang out with you online. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my company's name is Basic Girl Marketing and you can find me on Instagram at Basic Girl Marketing. Uh, my website is basicgirlmarketing.com. I have a free guide. If you want people to open and read your emails, I have a free guide on how to write better email subject lines. So you can grab that on the website and you can find me on Facebook. Um, my Facebook page is basic girl marketing. So love it. And if you guys want to grab that uh, freebie, you can go to learn with basicgirlmarketing.com forward slash subject and just enter your email and Danielle will send that to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate all of your wisdom. Yeah, thank you so much. Huge thanks to Danielle for coming on the show today and sharing her brains with us. Next time on Rebel Boss Ladies, we are going to hear another installment of our Real Rebel series, which features women who are creating and selling products, real women. One of my students in Rebel Boss University, which is my product launch membership program, is coming on the show next week to share her personal launch story. She launched a $47 ebook and made over $1,500 with an audience of, get this, less than 260 people. This was her first digital product, her very first launch, and she made over $1,500 with a teeny tiny audience. You've got to listen to this story, Rebels, especially if you're somebody who's scared to launch to your tiny audience. Emily busts that myth with her story. It's a must listen. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you love this episode, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and to share the podcast on social media. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and remember, keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up. We'll see you next time.